0: This is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR Tech Market Map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hi, Karthik. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Adrian. Thanks so so much for having me Yeah, You're welcome. Uh, To begin with, could you help us to understand a bit about your background and the chain of events that led you to where you are today with Paradox? Sure. So my name is Karthik. I lead
1: the business for Paradox for Asia Pacific-based in Singapore. Chain of events, I've been in the HR tech industry for a very long time. I'm not going to say how long It's was revealed by age. But look, I've always been passionate about technology and the impact of technology in the overall HR function environment. And I've worked with organizations pretty large globally. And so when this opportunity came about, where organizations are trying to make a significant impact on what does it mean from a candidate's perspective before they even become your employee? And how do you look at technology to assist companies to make that process smooth, to make that process intuitive? FireDocs was something that I've kept an eye on and it just happened that stars aligned and here I am running and growing the business in
0: Singapore. So I know this conversation is really to hear more stories from your side, but I do understand we have to begin by helping everyone to understand who is Olivia.
1: Sure. So look, I think before we even go to who is Olivia, we believe as an organization that, and if you get the people thing, you can build teams that change the world. And I think the late Steve Jobs said it perfectly quite a few years ago that the number one driver for long-term shareholder value has always been talent. And so if talent is that important, why are people spending so much time, so much energy in doing things that are repetitive, doing things that are manual and with technology all around us, the whole concept of what we call conversational assistive intelligence, be it your, your Alexa, your Google assist, your Netflix, your Spotify. Technology that you and I, Adrian, use on a daily basis. It's all around us. So why not have the acquisition team spending so much time in all of these manual processes, and that's where Olivia comes to play. She is not a chatbot, first and foremost. She is what we call a conversational assistive intelligence persona. And we call her personas because she is your your 24 by 7 concierge for candidates. She's always on as a partner to help candidates, hiring managers, recruitment organizations, to do things that are very manual. And so she's there to help talent acquisition teams, HR teams, to help them remove all of the manual processes so that you as an organization do what you do best, is connect with people, build a relationship with people. So that's the Olivia is. She is, again, not a chatbot. And why the name Olivia? Is there a story behind it? There is <laughs> a very, very interesting story behind it. Olivia is, or she went well. When we first started the company, our found Aaron, he's surrounded by this person, Olivia. And so the whole idea of figuring out what do we call our conversational assistant? And we didn't want to give it a, a robotic meme or a recruiting chat pod, etc. So as Aaron, our CEO, went about figuring out what the name needs to look like or who this person needs to, he didn't look any further than his actually Ben Goldfriend now, who is also actually named Olivia. So Olivia is actually the wife of our founder, CEO, Aaron. And she's she likes the limelight. You know, when we have HR conferences, she wears the Olivia t-shirt. People literally queue up to get a signature, and autograph of the real Olivia. just worked out so yeah that's the genesis of the name Olivia
0: and she wouldn't need a name tag (laughs)
1: that's true she doesn't need a name tag
0: right this actually reminds me of a story I have a friend who used to work with a gaming company uh, Uh and the gaming company provided uh, hardware so every time they come up with new hardware they needed a project name Uh and the project name would be the girlfriends of the CEO and because he's such a playboy so they constantly have different names to use because they just keep going on and on. So back to what you were saying earlier on about the kind of inefficiency that talent acquisition or companies are putting candidates through. Why do you think that's the case? Why, why do you think until today, we are still hearing about companies making candidates jump through hoops? And this again reminded me of another story. I, I put up a post about this. There's a guy in US, I think Mike Conley is his name. He mm-hmm. actually completed like three to four rounds of interview and he did a check with the mm. recruitment team so how many more rounds to go oh i think maybe around another four to six rounds mm. and at that point in time he decided to drop it he put mm. out a post on linkedin and it went viral because almost everyone out there that agreed with him had been through some form of that kind of experience and this is just one kind of experience that candidate are receiving so in your case why do you think this is still happening
1: yeah i think there are a few reasons so first of all I, i've always felt the hr organization of function in general has done a pretty decent job in removing silos here today. They used to be very structured as a, you know, say a payroll organization, a learning organization, a performance organization, a talent acquisition organization. So over the years, obviously they've got, done a good job in bringing these different silos together. And then on top of that, with the advent of different technologies, whether it was RPA, AI, machine learning, et cetera, The HR organization also looked at these technologies and said, okay, where is the maximum impact for me with regards to all of my functions and operations and processes? So they've done a pretty good job when you look at payroll and putting RPA in that. The COVID pandemic has also accelerated the whole digitization of learning and performance. So I've always felt that talent acquisition has been the last bastion. They've been the last phase of anything to do with technology. And so it's always been left to companies to say, okay, we, we'll we get to that stage when we get to that stage. But I think as you look at just our example in Singapore, we are almost at free pandemic levels as it comes to you know, unemployment. Candidates have a lot of options and they, they want to only work for a company that treats them right. And on the other side, I think it's also some misconceptions that play a part, which is, you know, only humans should communicate with candidates. Which I think is one of the biggest misconceptions because we as humans use, like I said, different assistive technologies on around ourselves on a daily basis. So why does this the why is the notion that only humans should communicate with candidates still prevalent within organizations? The other misconception is that losing technology for talent acquisition only for high volume, which is, you know, I'm trying to hire professional services people or hire high volume people in, say, a restaurant, retail, hospitality. It's not true. Today, candidates want to be treated the way they look and consume your brand on a daily basis. And I think thirdly is, you know, the misconception that candidates don't like artificial intelligence or system intelligence technologies. In fact, fifty-eight. we know from data, from Paradox data, that 58% of candidates who actually interact with the company's brand do not even get any communication th- throughout the process. They wait, or they apply for a job, they wait, and they wait. They don't know what the standards are, they don't know what's the update, they don't even know if they're getting rejected. So I think the entire misconception that Technology is not to be used in talent acquisition still resides within organizations, within companies. So that's, and that's the impact that companies or candidates are having when they are interacting with organizations. And to your point, sometimes they have to go through four, five, six, seven, nine rounds of interviews. But why? If you get the right candidate with the right skill sets, if it's going to take you nine rounds to figure out that person is the right person for your job or your
0: company, I think you've already lost the plot. That's so true. Imagine if you're running a football club and you have the chance to bring in Ronaldo, but you're saying, "Eh, maybe let him play another 200 games. We'll see how it goes. It just doesn't make sense. But for many people, including myself, when I go and if I have some banking requirements, Mm. some insurance matters, honestly, I would much prefer to deal with the chatbot to get my transaction done rather than be put on the line for 30 minutes listening to some music that I hate just to talk to someone who is just going to take down my information and call me back the next day. And I think that is something that is missing in talent acquisition. But having said that, I think to an extent, when it comes to recruitment, it is much more dynamic than just, oh, I want to get a fee waiver on my credit card, which Mm. I I hope you could put on your lecturer hat and really give us a a bit of education here. You mentioned earlier on that Olivia is a conversational assistant versus Mm. the typical chatbot. What's the key difference between these two and what are the key restrictions and, and, and difference?
1: Yeah, no, good, great question. First of all, as you think about the difference between Olivia and, and what a chatbot does on a daily basis. So first and foremost, Olivia, you know, if you, if you ever have worked with a chatbot, organizations or people know it's very transact. Most chatbots have, say, 20 answers that are canned. And if your questions don't think that one of those 20 answers, it kind of spins out of control and doesn't really know what to do and it keeps asking the same question again and again. So a chatbot again very transactional. It's got a specific use with regards to what it wants to do or what the overall process of the organization needs to be when it works with a chatbot. As compared to a conversational assistant intelligence, the big difference is it's an intelligent assistant. It's a technology that gets the work done for you as you think about whatever processes that you want to automate within the organization. So as you think about a chat for a, a conversational assistant, it's also what we call contextual learning, which is over time, the platform gets smarter and starts to learn key trends in the way it starts to respond to candidates. It also uses you know, natural language processing, and which enables it to start becoming smarter over time. I'll give you an example. When COVID hit in, or went crazy in January of 2020, a lot of organizations figuring out what's the best response when people ask them, the candidates especially ask them about their COVID response policy. And as the pandemic started to spread globally, and then vaccination mandates came and then stay-at-home notices came and lockdowns came. Candidates were saying, okay, X company, tell me about your overall COVID policy. So we saw a significant amount of conversation that candidates were having with companies and we were able to package or bottle those conversations and look at those creaky trends, which we were then able to provide companies so that they don't have to start from scratch to provide answers when candidates responded to or when, when companies responded to candidates they were able to start from some level of conversations or from the very beginning and then over time you know Olivia or the conversation assistant became smarter in the conversations with the candidate a key thing is that it is always available 24 by 7 it's an omni-channel communication, so it's available through voice, through text, through video, through messaging. It looks at contextual learning and figuring out what the candidates are trying to do when they converse with her. It looks at like I said, it's an AI based neural network that analyzes what we call structured and unstructured data to make it a little bit more intelligent and smart when it converses with with candidates. I think last but not the least, it is a, a platform that you know, enables and assists talent acquisition teams end-to-end from an experience perspective, both internally for recruiters and hiring managers, but also more importantly, from a candidate perspective.
0: And talking about it from a candidate perspective, I do understand that for a lot of candidates out there, besides just going through the time that you need to put in for multiple rounds of interview, even the application stage could be quite tricky. I know of platforms that may create such a huge friction that you just have to sit down in front of your computer and go through 30, 40 minutes in order to submit your application mm. through. So are there any other aspect of recruitment that in fact you believe uh, are things that technology can play a part in to really reduce that? Have you personally gone through that journey yourself as a candidate and seen those friction <laughs> firsthand?
1: Yeah, thanks for reminding me of those dark
0: days, my friend. So look, in January...
1: In of this year, I unfortunately got made redundant from my prior organization for lots of business reasons. And I became a candidate. And I hadn't been a candidate that was looking for a new role. Traditionally, it's always been me being a passive talent and someone's come to look at a, a specific opportunity that sounded exciting for me. But this was the first time that I was actually an active candidate in the market. For those who know me, I have a very structured methodical process because finding a job, it's a job itself. So I may have spoken to you know, 45, 50 companies that had an Excel sheet of which industry, who I want to speak to, what where am I in the process, et cetera, et cetera. As a candidate, I went through varying degrees of experiences with these companies, to your point. Them companies where the role was great, and I knew some people within the organization, yet I was made to go through, to your point, of 40-minute username, password, create in whatever ATS system they use, went through, you know, 30, 40 questions and answer them, et cetera. And at some point, you lose interest. So for some organizations, that, you know what, not even just in doing what I want to do. There were certain organizations where I, I knew about the company, but really did not know either someone in the organization. So I want to learn about, you know, the culture. What do they stand for? Uh, what are some of their... Uh, business practices, et cetera. And so when I would reach out to someone to ask those answers, I had to wait for a week, two, before I even get a first response back from them. And then there was some organization, the experience was absolutely phenomenal. And obviously Paradox being one of them, where the conversation that I had with the executives, obviously you, I, I also had a conversation with Olivia, where she was able to provide me the answers that I was looking for in terms of what is it like to work at the company, et cetera. So as a candidate, we need to make it, as a company, we need to make it as easy and smooth for candidates as possible. Funnily enough, here on August 25th, like two weeks ago, one week ago, I got a, sorry, we saw your profile, but it did not match what we're looking for. And when I saw that email, I realized that I actually had applied for this job in January or February of this year. So it took them just about eight months, roughly, to even figure out that I'm not a good, suitable candidate for them. So to answer your second part, there are so many things that technology can start to streamline who the candidate is. If I had the right skills, is there a quicker way for Olivia or whichever conversational AI to screen me and put me through a conversation with either the hiring manager or recruiter? Is there a way for organizations to say, look, let's fast track a candidate. He or she, we know who he or she is. We know them and by their reputation, the marketplace, we have a role. Can we fast track this candidate through the process within the ecosystem? And the last but not the least, how do we provide our candidates the information that they're looking for without them having to go from pillar to post to find out about the company. So I think there are lots of things that can be done to really hone in on the candidate experience, because at the end of the day, these people will be your employees. The experience they have during the acquisition phase is exactly what they're going to take into your organization when they become your employee.
0: I'm sorry to hear about your eight months experience. I personally (laughs) have gone through something like that, but instead of eight months, it only took the company eight seconds. To reply with a rejection, but still it doesn't feel good because for sure someone did not actually read my application. It was done by a computer. And you meant you ended off by talking about employee experience, and this obviously has been a buzzword for some time, even until today. Why is this something much more important and significant today versus ten years ago, or maybe when we first graduated? Is it due to changing demographics or change to changing to requirements of the market? What, in your opinion, do you think is the cause to all this?
1: Yeah, look, in my opinion, there are a few things. To your point, there is an absolute change in demographics, right? If you look at the World Economic Forum report, they say by 2030, you know, over 70% of our workforce is going to be the millennials. And these are folks who, and I think McKinsey had an interesting article just about a week ago in the demographics of Gen Z and how they consume information, how they want to be treated, how they want to get information, etc. So as you think about this entire shift of the overall demographic, these candidates or these folks are also consumers of our services, our products. And so the line between the consumer who is interacting with a brand versus the candidate who's interacting with our brand, who's also a consumer, it's absolutely blurred. So I think the way my opinion is, as times have changed, candidates want to be treated as consumers because the cost of switching from a brand to the other is practically... Today, if I'm banking with X financial institution, and if I have a really bad experience from a consumer's perspective, it literally costs me nothing to move from that bank to another bank. It's all done manually. It's all done digitally through to inter- to iBanking. Same thing with candidates. If they get a really bad experience with a particular company, word of mouth, through social media, through friends and family, spreads so quickly that it becomes very hard for companies to start to then, you know, look at what else they could do to win that candidate over because by then, it's game, set, match. And then to my first point, when I first started this conversation with you is a lot of countries, including Singapore, are looking at. know, employment levels that are in the 2018, 2019s, where candidates now have two, three, four offers sometimes. They are very picky and choosy. All our work is anyway done remotely anyway. So they're like, you know, why should I work for X company if my experience with them has been so bad, Uh, even though they gave me a really good offer financially, but I could always use that to figure out where I want to go next or play them against another organization. So I think it's a mix of a few things. Demographic change, the advent of technology and how companies are putting their brand name in the marketplace. And then most importantly, from a candidate perspective, how is he or she viewed? Are we meeting them where they are? Are we providing the
0: information to them when they need it? So. All of that plays a significant role in in what companies... And of course, it's something that Olivia is trying to cater to by providing those instantaneous intelligent response to candidates who may have questions about the company, about the employer. Are there any other specific AI use cases which might not be that apparent, but it's something that Olivia is catering very well for the users that is uh, currently using Olivia to speed up or to expedite their recruitment?
1: Yeah, I mean, we look, 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 look at what Olivia does. It's one of the big things that companies or even candidates are trying to look at is this whole notion of diversity and inclusion, right? So, you know, a big business problem for organizations is how do we reduce bias in our recruiting process? Because we want to make sure that every candidate is provided with a fair equitable screening process. We are responding to every question, regardless of age, gender, which school he or she comes from, et cetera, et cetera. So I think a lot of organizations are spending a lot of time in obviously communicating that value of what they are doing from a diversity and inclusion perspective, but it also is a way for them to leverage technology to help obviously recruiting leaders, hiring managers. To remove any and all bias and that's why i said we are not an artificial intelligence platform because by definition when you look at ai there is a certain element of bias that creeps in and with all the regulations that are coming down the pipeline from the eu from the us obviously we want to stay away from the whole bias through artificial intelligence and that's where we are what we call a conversation assistive intelligence a lot of organizations are you know looking quality of candidates. So. How do you make sure that when you're screening candidates, you at least are looking for the minimum qualifications or what we call a knockout question that are a must-have in a particular role? So instead of a a hiring manager or talent acquisition manager looking at 50, 60, 70 candidates, he or she has the right quality of people, five or 10, that have been quickly screened with. The right skills that he or she brings to the company. So, how do you increase quality within an application, within within a particular applicant? How do you increase confidence within that ecosystem of hiring managers and TA managers from a decision-making perspective? And obviously making sure that how do you increase the quality of hire? So there are lots of varied use cases in terms of how Olivia partners with companies. And I would say the last thing is she works very seamlessly both for high-volume retail, hospitality, QSR, et cetera, as well as what we define as enterprise, white-collar worker hiring needs within an organization.
0: And the Really, uh, and the, well, because I want to touch on your the location as well as the job level agnosticity of uh, Olivia, because uh, obviously your company is currently using it and you get to interact with it, but would it also be appropriate for companies, say for instance, they may have a larger pool of blue collar workers, would that actually be helpful for them or is it just restricted to the knowledge workers that are more affluent and comfortable in dealing with a conversational assistant?
1: No, I think it's both, Adrian. Uh, so think about think about your high-volume workers, right, at the end of the day. So let's assume I'm a store manager at, say, a McDonald's or a Svenson's or a Bread Talk in Singapore. And the name of the game for me as a store manager is not to spend time with software, but I don't want to be logging into an ATS to figure out job requisitions, et cetera, et cetera. I have, you know, some sort of a you know, handheld device, whether... It's my iPad on my you know iPhone or an Android device. My number one job is to serve my customer that walks into my store, and the only way I'm able to serve that particular customer is ensure that I have the right people who are customer savvy, who understand you know if you're in a restaurant or fast food or QSR, understand what it means from a front weight staff perspective. For me is I need to cater to my store manager whose job is to hire very quickly. So if I have, you know, a thousand stores across Southeast Asia, I just need to hire 10, 15, 20,000 people across those thousand stores. I need to make it very easy for my store managers to get that volume hiring done quickly. So I think the use cases across both, yes, on your knowledge workers in major companies, you're looking at quality of hire, you're looking at ensuring that you have the right person for the right job at the right market, the right time. All of those key metrics are important, but when it comes to high-volume, blue-collar work, time, speed, efficiency to get people into your store or whatever business you're in, is of, of utmost importance.
0: I think most of the audience in Singapore especially may be quite familiar with somewhat similar solution as we have been seeing. Uh, Companies like, say, Impress.ai have been uh, Mm. in this market for some time, educating the market about what's needed. And most likely some of them may also draw parallels between what's the key difference between Olivia Paradox versus Impress.ai. Could you give us a rundown on what would be the key difference here and how would the behavior, the usage be be different?
1: Yeah, look, by the way, I think Impress.ai, they've done a great job in terms of the company and what they've, as an organization. And as you see paradox, and if you look at, you know, the talent acquisition funnel, right? So if you look at, you know, the funnel has, I would say, three big categories. You have top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and bottom of the funnel. So think about top of the funnel, which is, you know that's your volume that's where candidates come in whether they come come in from a company's career website they come in from any of the job boards linkedin etc cetera, etc cetera. that's your top of the funnel. your middle of the funnel is and how do you take all of that volume and show that you screen everybody and show that you're providing the right information from a communication brand perspective and they go into the middle of the funnel and from the middle of the funnel you have to put them through their interview process scheduling rescheduling and then finally towards the bottom of the funnel, which is help them from an onboarding perspective, offer letters, etc. Where we play a role as a company is across the entire talent acquisition funnel. So when companies get candidates from various sources, they want to ensure that they quickly communicate the value of their brand to that candidate to get them hooked on. So candidates have questions around What's your culture? Why have you won any awards? What's your sustainability and, and and corporate social responsibility? So all of that, what we call FAQs about the company is where we start from the top of the funnel. And as candidates get that information and they're now a little bit more comfortable with regards to the company and the brand they want to work with, then they get into, okay, tell me about what roles do you have for me where I'm based. If I'm based in Jakarta, I don't want to see jobs in Nadan or Bali. If I'm based in Delhi in India, I don't want to see jobs in Mumbai or Chennai. I want to see jobs where I'm located. Then how do you structure the experience for candidates to help them find jobs no matter based on where they're located? Once they find a job, then how do you screen them through what we call those minimum requirements, knockout questions, so that we are able to provide the organization with the most qualified candidates and once you do that you put them through the uh, uh, interview process that is automated it's seamless no ping ponging between candidate hiring manager talent acquisition manager etc and then once they are the right person and they are the right person fit for the company how do you then look at onboarding and offer letters etc so you know, where Impress AI does a really good job is the middle of the... F- but as you think about what companies are trying to achieve, it's not just the middle. It's how do we own that experience from soup to nuts right from the very beginning when a candidate, you know, reaches out to find out about my company to the very last stage of, hey, Adrian, you're the, you're, thank you, congratulations, we'd like to make you an offer. I would like for you to join the organization. To that extent, how do we own that entire
0: ecosystem? That's where Paradox plays a role. That sounds really exciting. I'm very certain for companies in Singapore, as well as around the world, that might be facing this war on talent, they'll definitely appreciate a solution like Paradox or Olivia in helping them to really streamline this entire process, which I do understand can be Very time-consuming. And like I said earlier on, the store manager at McDonald's don't really want to go through the interview process, not because he or she doesn't want to, but because it just takes up so much time. Mm. Now, moving ahead, what can we expect next from Olivia? What's coming down the pipeline for for Paradox quite a few things. And for those
1: who followed the press the last uh, 24, 48 hours, we've just acquired a US-based company called Tradeify. What does Tradeify do? They're basically a candidate assessment a platform which fits we work with them very closely over time as partners but now we believe that as we think about the future evolution of what you know paradox or olivia wants to do in the marketplace it becomes a very unique value proposition for companies it's for now it's very very focused on high volume hiring but we believe there's a you know a significant use case for using Tradify from an assessment workflows perspective. Obviously, the strategic focus for the market is, and I said, demanding better ways to automate what we call candidate quality, and assessment is a big part of the strategy. So bringing 25 into the Paradox family is a big investment in terms of what we are trying to do in the next generation of candidate experience. We're looking at what we call new hire orientation scheduling. So. And as you think about new hires that are starting, and have' just completed the entire candidate experience, you know, how do we think about the candidates who pick up employees? what does it mean for them in terms of the new hire orientation? When does it start? You know, what's the data life going to look like on the first day of the first week? Who are their mentors? Who are their buddies going to be, etc? We're looking at learning. How do we look at the early use cases for employees when they've just joined the organization around? certain things that they should learn, whether it's compliance or other ways of learning in a very quick bite size on their mobile phones, an environment that they can quickly learn and start to progress within the organization. The next thing we're looking at is employee communication. Again, this is a way for us to continue that expansion of the experience from a candidate's journey to an employee journey. So I've become an employee of a company and 30 days into my company, I've forgotten what my benefits plan looks like, or I need to enroll in my flexi benefits plan. I can ask Olivia. Hey, Olivia, can you please help me with X, Y, and Z? So, how do we provide a communication mechanism instead sort of an employee trying to ping HR every time he or she has a question? And then, last but not the least, is micro coaching. So, how do we do you know pulse checks with our employees on their mobile devices, SMS, WhatsApp, WeChat, etc., and provide that concierge level of service to making sure that our employees are on the right track with regards to their career and what they need from a coaching standpoint. So lots of things coming down the pipeline. Obviously, I have to add, it's a safe harbor statement, which is it's a roadmap and by definition, things change. So hopefully many of these things will start coming to the marketplace, but we're thinking about expanding the candidate experience to an employee experience long term.
0: It's definitely really going to be uh, exciting, given how end-to-end it's going to be. I would imagine from Olivier becoming more like Man's Jarvis, where it could help you to do almost everything in terms of your journey as an employee. And I guess it's great to get to know Olivier from the get-go, from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. throughout your entire experience with the company, Olivier is still there every step of the way. I, I think that is really the hallmark of great employee experience. So, uh, lastly, before we end the call, for people who is interested to find out more about Paradox, where can they go to?
1: Yeah, there there are a few ways. Obviously, our website is the first thing, which is Paradox.ai. Look, we are a, a startup within a startup in Asia Pacific. So, feel free to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. My name is Karthik Krishnamurthy. You can WhatsApp me on my mobile phone number, which is you know on my LinkedIn profile, or even email me, which is also on my LinkedIn profile, or the best way, go to our website. Olivia is there. Reach out to her and ask her if you want to learn more about Olivia and what it can do for your organization
0: within your respective regions. And she will reach out to me and we can have a conversation. Awesome. All this will be placed in the show notes. Once again, Karthik, thank you for summing onto the show. Thanks so much, Adrian. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.